You're listening to a Score North podcast right now, and if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form, and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Phil Mackey. I'd call him a charming Boras. That's what I'd call Perfect. Okay, Perfect yeah, description. Okay, yeah. But he's a true gentleman. Oh, they all, everybody loves him. Judd Zolgad. I think that he's sort of the Steve Bartman of the Twin Cities. Yes. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Mackey and Judd, Mike Gola Jr., our friend from the overnight uh, section of ESPN Radio. He's on from like 3 to 5 a.m. Yep. on this station before Mike and Mike. Mm-hmm. And then he'll be overlapping a lot more starting in a few weeks on the new Golik and Wingo, uh, show, right? Wingo show. Yeah. So that'll be fun. Hour one, correct? Yes. I believe I'm, he'll be sticking yep. around for hour one of most Wouldn't it be shows. funny if they if they like made him do hour three instead, just like take a nap and then come back? Well, he, he's <laughs> on with us here. every week, and he'll join us in like 10 or 15 minutes. But P.J. Fleck, I, I don't think the questions were you know too grenade-like at him at his weekly press conference yesterday, but P.J. Fleck fielding questions about the slow start and uh, people maybe getting a little bit antsy with the fact that they, they get smoked 33-10, to 10, Against Michigan, and they're probably only going to win like maybe one game the rest of the year. Even even that might be a stretch. Their schedule is pretty tough. So this is PJ Fleck. We have a couple sound bites to play for you here, talking about criticism and big picture, and mostly just uh, Patrick Ricey. I think he was talking about Patrick Ricey. Let's hear it, but but not really. You know, you're always going to have criticism. Okay, uh, when you have a year like this, or even back at one and eleven, criticism was running rapid, right? When we were 11 and 0, going to be 12 and 0, criticism was incredibly high too. Because if you don't win the game, it's a bust. It's a waste, wasted year. Had a chance to win a championship. We're, we're 12 and 0, going into the championship game, and we're still being criticized. I think people who really want to be negative will always be negative. And coaches, uh, you know, they make the salaries they make. People expect us to win, and expect us to deliver, especially at a place where we haven't had championships in so long. And I get it, and I understand it, and I I know I understand. I, I listen, and I hear, and I have it all. Uh, I, I, it doesn't bother me. It doesn't take me off my course. Uh, it doesn't frustrate me. But I think that as people go, they'll start to see the big picture. They'll start to see the reason why we took the job. They'll start to see the the winning and recruiting. They'll start to feel the difference in how this program develops. But uh, when you don't have a result right away, it's hard for people that are result result oriented to jump right in and say, "I'm in." They don't, they don't understand the process of that happening, with all due respect. So when you hear that, and those aren't rah-rah comments, those are really measured, logical things he's saying, that feels like the perfect way to respond to, hey, why are you guys so crappy, and you know, are you going to start to change the way that you operate? I think it's really easy to sit back and lob grenades at Fleck, and some of it's you know self-induced, because the Gophers are losing, which isn't new. They've been losing for the better part of 50 years, yep. or at least haven't been winning at a high level. Yep. He doesn't have a quarterback. Uh, from his standpoint, he's boisterous. He he uses vernacular that's Correct. that's sort of odd and uh, markety, and I think his personality, to be quite frank, bothers a lot of reserved upper Midwesterners. And so the first instinct is, well, if they're not winning, then it's not working, and and this guy's a joke. He's a joke. Well, I think his response to criticism there is very fair. Like, should he should he avoid all criticism because you got to give him three years? No. But I think 
small picture, like game by game criticism is mostly meaningless in PJ Flex first year. Like I need to see this thing play out and I'm willing to give him time to implement whatever process there's a buzzword he wants to implement. Yeah, I'm curious. Um, I'm curious to see, and that this will this will be something that we won't be able to help for a little while if he is thin skinned about this, uh, because he shouldn't be. His his vernacular comes off now, I think, to a lot of people as just stop it. Now the kids might like it still. I don't, I have no idea. But that being said, here's what he's got going for him. He's got time. He's got a lot of time. Goal for football has the, and this is this is not a good thing, but it's the reality of the program's situation. Goal for football has the ability now to disappear. Goal for football is not the Vikings. If the Vikings go this bad, guess what? We're mad right now. And by year two, we are PO'd. Goal for football, and I know they won nine games last year, but we can go back and talk about that all we want. I'm sorry. I don't like the coach from last year. And I also think that if you look at that schedule, it was terrible. So all of that being said, I think the one thing that Fleck has to know is he can basically have time to slow cook this thing. And other than maybe some diehards, it's going to be fine. Or yeah. it, it, it could be. Now, if in three years, if in three years things are still sideways, then it's a problem. And in four years, if they continue to go south, he'll be fired. But that being said, the one thing he has to know, and that, and that might be hard because it's a Big Ten school, is he's got time. Yeah, I just, I, I almost feel like there's a part of us as, as longtime gopher sufferers that are just waiting to fire the next coach and try again. That there's more, there's almost more enjoyment and sadistic entertainment in, well, looking for the flaws in the guy that's the just the next guy that's going to be fired, right? Like we're on the bandwagon for five minutes, but then if we don't get instant gratification, then on to the next, on to the next, on to the next. Hmm. And and I don't, it's like it's a subconscious weird thing that we have here that we that a large chunk of fans just. They want Richard Pitino fired after three years without looking at the bigger picture. Uh, so if you were one of the people that wanted Richard Pitino fired after that really bad third year, yep. A, don't you feel like an idiot right now? And B, if you have the same opinion about P.J. Fleck that you're just like kind of off the bandwagon, remember what happened with the Gopher basketball team when Pitino had a chance for four years to do his recruiting, to implement his systems, to teach his way, there were some bumps along the road. Of course there were. But P.J. Fleck, he recruits like a madman. He was in California this last Monday, you yeah. know, between practices, scouting a quarterback that's going to be a 2019 class guy. He holds players accountable for classes and behavior. In fact, their best safety, Duke McGee, was suspended for a couple games, if I'm not mistaken, earlier this year. We don't know what the conduct was. Uh, their starting quarterback. Well, secondary is a complete mess. Uh, well, I'm saying, like, he's holding players accountable. Yeah. And in sacrificing yeah. wins, like Demry Croft, not a very good quarterback, but suspended for a month. And he has a track record of winning. So I just like, the I kind of laugh at people who are like off the bandwagon the, already. The, well, di- the difference to me is this. I've seen gopher basketball be good. And when gopher basketball gets terrible, it's really sad because you know that when that program is good, it's so much fun. I've never really seen gopher fo- football in my lifetime be good. So... You're right in the fact that when they do when they do blow games like they, they did with um, Mason for years, that it was sort of this sadistic, oh my gosh, let's see how, how they can blow this game. But with gopher football, like to me, they just disappear. I'll still go to games and I'll still watch games, 
but I'm but I don't say well that's sad. I just say okay. And so so what Fleck has going for for him is other than probably a cult and it's a cult of hardcore critics. Most of us are going to say okay. Let's wait and see. And if in three or four years it's still bad, he'll be fired. But go for basketball is different to me because go for basketball we have seen be really good. And, and when go for basketball is really good, it is so much fun. And and it looks like they're coming back now for sure, which is great. Go for football to me, I sort of throw up my hands and say, all right, yeah, I'm yeah, not surprised. And, and like I guess I'm even leaning more toward, and I'll eat crow in three or four years if we're still doing this show. And like, yeah, I'll, I'll eat the crow if I if I need to eat the crow, but. I stuck to my guns on Richard Pitino, and some people said, "Well, you you host the weekly show, which which you know we don't have the rights to their broadcast anymore. You host the weekly show, and so you're just biased. Like anything you say lacks credibility. Well, couldn't it be the other way around? That like maybe maybe like you know things about the maybe you pay more close attention. And I stuck to my guns on Pitino because I saw the way that he was as a coach, the way that he recruited, and the things that he talked about publicly. Yes. And I don't know P.J. Fleck very well, but I feel very strongly that the attributes you can see from the outside in, I'm going to stick to my guns on this. He recruits. He has a proven track record of success, albeit in a smaller conference, but it's there. It's more than Tim Brewster had in his resume. He holds players accountable. He sticks to his system and his process that he believes in. Again, Tim Brewster ab- abandoned his offense after one year. Yeah. And, 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 and he's essentially just trying to market in a way that's modern 2017 communication with kids who are coming out of high school. Like there's a lot of really interesting pieces of groundwork being laid here that I don't think should be ignored. There are indicators for success in the future. Fleck is very easy to pick on right now because we perceive him right or wrong as being goofy and he's losing. But but yes, but here's the thing to keep in mind if you're going to be fair about this. Tracy Clays could not recruit and when those and when that basically when the secondary got in trouble last year and some some folks were expelled from school some players were expelled from school look at what they've got left and they're playing without a quarterback so 6516468255 Michael Jr in about 5 minutes hey Howard hey uh first of all i hope you enjoyed the 30 by 30 that as much as i did last night Fantastic. it was insane it was so good they could have gone another hour and a half and it wouldn't have been enough Yep, and we could have got a few more woos in there, but I thought his heart was going to give out. Yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're a gopher football fan, and I'm a gopher basketball fan, but I can't say I'm a real big football fan, what is your goal to get to? Because realistically, this team can never compete for national championship, and I don't want to sound mean, but I don't think they, this team can compete with the SEC. I don't think that Minnesota can recruit like the SEC, and you have the built-in disadvantage of Nebraska or let's let's make Ohio State and Michigan in the same conference. Basketball, I think we can compete with anybody. So what are we hoping for? Is nine and three what we hope for? Is is ten and two with the bowl without four and be a top twenty team? Yeah, I think to answer that question, and it's and I think it's a great question because you should you should have some sort of a horizon of okay, what are you trying to achieve here? You're not going to get the five stars that Michigan and Ohio State are getting. You don't have the fertile recruiting ground that SEC schools walk out of their practice facility and they've got, you know, a hundred four and five star recruits just or, yeah, within a stone's throw. There's not enough great high school players in this particular region to yep. be that good on a regular basis, but you should be able 
instead of nine wins being like the every once in a blue moon thing that you get to, yep. nine and three in the regular season should not be as tall of a task as the Gophers have made it over the years. I will give you the simplest answer possible now, and, and it is possible, and it can be done. I expect you, you have an opportunity to consistently compete for the Western Division title in your conference. Sure. Look at that conference. Go beat or, Iowa and Wisconsin. But look at that yeah. half of, of the conference. There is no reason why you can't, and I'm not saying that you're supposed to win it on a yearly basis, not even close, but now that Michigan, Ohio State, and Michigan State are in the East, you have an opportunity, if you can play with Wisconsin and Iowa, you have an opportunity to consistently compete for that part of the division title. That's all I, I would expect. I'm not saying national championships. I'm not even saying Rose Bowls. But it should not be too much to ask a coach who can have some stability here to maybe be able to get to the conference title game. Yeah, that's that, it. That seems fair. That's all I expect. Uh, let's talk to Mike Golick Jr. When we come back, we can talk more football. And I'm assuming he watched that 30 for 30 last night. But, you know, Luther Brookdale Toyota, it's, uh, it's that time of year where 2018 models are all over the lot and it's also that time in the uh, the Camry and RAV4 cycle where they make some pretty major state-of-the-art upgrades to the exterior, to the interior. So go on in to my favorite dealership and service department that my family and I have been going to for 30-plus years and find out about the brand-new 2018 RAV4 or the Camry, which you can get into for only $199 per month on a lease. That's $2,800 down tax, title, and license. But they also have 0% financing on nine models. So stop in, see what everyone's raving about with these 2018s and find out why my family and I have not even considered another dealership or service department in three plus decades. There's a reason why people keep going back to Luther Brookdale Toyota. The people, the cars, uh, the facility, you name it. 694 and Brooklyn Boulevard and LutherBrookdaleToyota.com. Mackie and Judd now continue. And the game is on. On 1500 ESPN. This is a great story. I go to the sports psychologist. And so, how much do you drink a day? I said, I'll drink at least uh, 10 beers and probably five mixed drinks. He said, well, how many days a week do that? I said, every day. He said, well, how do you, what do you mean every day? I said, I work every day. I drink the beer in the car, I get to the hotel, and I drink vodka. He came out of his chair like that. You drink every day. Seven days a week, 365 days a year, and you've been doing that for how long? I said, uh, well, let me see, it's 1989, I started in 72. Uh, you do the math, almost 20 years. He said, that's not possible. <laughs> said, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> ah, dude, that was, it was so good last night. Uh, Golda Jr., you can find him 3 a.m. to 5 a.m. on this radio station, ESPN Radio. Uh, did you, you had to have watched that last night, didn't you? I did, and you know, it's kind of an amazing thing. I didn't plan on it, so I, I host a radio show on Tuesday nights now after the college football playoff rankings come out. And so, you know, doing that and coming back home, was tired, thought about turning in, and, and saw the documentary come on and got hooked in the first few minutes, and I'm really thankful I did. I mean, I know the 30 for 30 crew generally does a good job, but the best compliment I can give them is, you know, I wasn't a pro wrestling fan growing up, and I wasn't someone who invested a lot of time in that world, knew who Ric Flair the character was and this pop culture figure. But, man, they did a great job of making you care about all of it last night over the course of what was a, a documentary with a lot of really high, fun highs and a lot of really powerful lows that you saw for this guy. How much would you say uh, that, that, that Flair talked about 
was the truth because they did a really good job, I, I thought, of, of laying out his life f- for you. But what that allowed you to do then was sort of second guess mo- most of the things he said. Like, I'm guessing for a 17-year period, he really didn't he, – he drank a lot, don't get me wrong, but he really didn't drink that much probably. No, I don't think he did, and that ultimately kind of ends up being uh, the point at the end. Uh, you know, at the end of the documentary, one of the other wrestlers that was kind of reflecting uh, about Rick in the way said, you know, the Nature Boy was a myth, but Rick Fleer, you know, his real name, was the real guy. And I think the point you kind of get driven home over the course of the whole documentary is that, no, Rick Flair was very much the real guy to this to this person. He was very much real in his mind and the way he talks about it you know it's that old george costanza line it's not a lie if you believe it i mean after a while when you constantly reinforce this is who i am this is the thing that i want to be this is what i want to present to the world especially what eventually i should say whether it's a wrestling audience whether it's your family that is who you become and you saw that sort of toxicity seep into every aspect of his life and it affected his life at home and affected the way that he dealt with the end of his wrestling career. And it was just fascinating to see the way that, you know, if we're not careful, the, the, the person that we pretend to be can end up becoming who we really are. Yeah. Like it, that's the, I think what you just said is one of the, when I got done watching it, one of the main realizations I had was Holy crap. He lived as a fictitious character for 45 years and is still in a lot of ways living as that fictitious character. I mean, that's like, that there's some deep, deep stuff in there that you know. Obviously, he's made it to this point. I don't know how much longer he's going to go because he almost died like three months ago. But to to think back to how taxing it would be to maintain that charade for 45 years is incredible. It, it is, but we we kind of see that with a lot of our athletes and other sports. I mean, this is one of those things. And Michelle Beadle was in the, in the documentary last night and said. You know, Ric Flair was kind of this idol to a lot of especially men at the time who saw him as everything that they believed they would do in that situation. And this heightened version of masculinity, this big, attractive guy with a ton of money. And that's kind of what we like out of athletes. We like you to be so different from us. We like you to be all of these things that we as normal human beings can't really attain. But we forget along the way that if you really live that out to the level that a lot of people project on athletes yep. you end up losing a lot of humanity and all that. And I think that's something worthwhile to keep in mind when we look at the guys that play on Sunday, that play on the hardwood all across sports is that, you know, valuing the humanity of these guys and just letting them be normal people sometimes and not expecting them to be our larger than life folk heroes is probably a productive and healthy thing long-term for everyone. Boys, I've got a name for you who lives up to that. Exactly. Lawrence Taylor. Yeah. Right? Because Lawrence Taylor was phenomenal, great player, but I think he totally bought it into being being this character of a football player. I think it was easier almost like the demands of being in that position now, especially in the in the NFL where you've got OTAs and you got mini cams and you've got, you know, handlers. It feels like in the eighties and maybe even the early nineties still, it was easier to be like Brett Favre partied all the time. But yep. for him to be successful at the end of his career, I drank with him. He had to. <laughs> I know. I drank with him like, once. You'd, it's you'd, great. You'd have to like study more film than you did back when Terry Bradshaw was a quarterback, right, Golick? 
Yeah, and even still, I just think the exposure is there. I mean, uh, you know, to your guys' point, a lot of the way that we saw these figures, and this can be Michael Jordan in the 90s, this can be, you know, my dad even going back to the stories he tells me about when he was at Notre Dame and how they compare to when I was there. The exposure is just different, and you can call it the advent of cameras on cell phones. You can call it social media that's interconnected everyone so much. But you just can't escape the spotlight wherever you go. And before, we used to get fed almost like tall tales from the (laughs) sports media that would talk about these guys and that aspect of their lives almost as if it was a badge of honor. And now that we see it can go down the road, I mean, Josh Gordon, who was just reinstated, everything we saw go on with Johnny Manziel, seeing Ric Flair's problems in a different light, like the deeper you're able to dig in and the more you're able to see, the less heroic the picture looks and the more sad it looks a lot of times. Hey, Golik, how do we uh, go about, if there is a way, keeping quarterbacks upright and on the field because when you look at and I get I get it that fans of opposing teams like this but when you look at Brent Hundley playing quarterback for the Packers right or Savage being back playing a quarterback for the Texans or Luck being out to me I look at this and I say this is bad for business is there any way in your mind to keep at least a few more of these guys on the field because a lot of the backups now that we're seeing play on a consistent basis are direct I listen, I, I think it, it's different in different situations. Like, I hesitate to completely lump the Texans in with this just because it was kind of like what you guys dealt with in Minnesota with Teddy, where it's a non contact practice injury. There's really nothing you can do to prepare for that. But when you look at the Andrew Lux of the world and you look at some of these other quarterbacks that have found their way off the field this season, Aaron Rodgers falls into that vein as well because of the excess amount of hits that they take. I think a lot of teams, and you can point to those two specifically, get lazy when they've got a guy that great, and they don't always build around him in the ways that, A, protect them, look out in the West Coast, Russell Wilson running for his life almost every week behind an offensive line that they clearly don't value. Like, until teams start doing right by these quarterbacks while they've got them, and instead, you know, giving them these bloated contracts and then just asking them to go out there and earn it by themselves based on that dollar amount, it's not sustainable. And you're going to get these guys hurt. And you're going to end up undermining your own investment unless you go out and do the right things around these guys. And I think most people would argue Jim Irsay and, and that group with Mike McCarthy and the bunch up in Green Bay haven't done nearly enough around those players to bolster them and support them in the ways they need to, and it ends up getting them physically hurt and off the field. Yeah, like, I mean, obviously a, a lot of Vikings fans listening to uh, to this show and this station, they hear it from their Packer fan friends and family members for 25 years, you know, because the Packers have had the better of the of the matchup going back to uh, the early 90s with Brett Favre, but when you strip away the Hall of Fame caliber quarterback – and now you get to watch that product without Aaron Rodgers or without you know Hall of Fame Brett Favre, and the defense can't stop anybody, and the offensive line is a mess. Like Ted Thompson and Mike McCarthy should feel sort of ashamed watching what the rest of the product. And that's where like the Vikings have had the Case Keenum's and the crappy backups for a long time, but at least they give you a defense and an offensive line once in a while and some skill position players. It is legal to build the rest of your roster especially when you have a Hall of Fame quarterbacks, you can cash in and win more Super Bowls. I I agree. Minnesota is one of the first places I thought of. Now, all playing fields are not created equal in that regard. You look at uh, some of the guys that are eating up a lot more cap space at the quarterback position, and you understand those front offices have to get a little bit creative with how they're going to add talent. 
But, man, in Green Bay, it, it seems, especially the way they stripped off a lot of pieces from that offensive line, the wide receiver core just continues to get older around Randall Cobb and Jordy Nelson, and that defense really hasn't been able to support them in a meaningful way in a while. Aaron Rodgers has been doing this relative to his you know, complement and his skill set at an absolute hometown discount. We know that that clock is ticking, but the fact that they haven't found a way to better maximize that and that you have a running back playing, you know, uh, or a wide receiver playing running back for you, which I get as a result of a, a busted pick in Eddie Lacy, but, man, to miss on all those areas while you've got this window that constitutes the discount for the level of talent at your quarterback position, they're going to look back and be sick at what they squandered and how little they ultimately got out of it relative to what this guy is capable of. Yeah. Hey, one last thing for you, Mike Goley Jr. How legit do you think the one-loss Eagles are right now? Carson Wentz leading the NFL in touchdown passes. Uh, very, very, very legit right now. And, and you just see – you know, long-term, you maybe worry about Carson being a little too eager to find his way to contact. We talk about the other places trying to protect them. And the Eagles have done as good a job as any. That offensive line really improved at the guard spots. We knew the tackles, and now, unfortunately, Jason Peters removed from that situation were among the best in the league, and especially the best two, to the best tackle tandem in the league. But Lane Johnson's still an elite guy that's going to help them out, the rest of that group. And then adding Jay Ajayi now shows – we're kind of all in. We want to we want to continue to bolster our depth here and what we've got. That defense with Fletcher Cox and Michael Kendricks and that whole outfit up front have done a really good job. You know, the secondary may be a little bit deficient, but when you've got a group up front like that that consistently gets to the quarterback and consistently finds pressure and can be so dominant against the run, it creates this complete football team that helps feed and serve each other so that you don't have one side that ultimately, like thinking back to the Chip Kelly days, get gassed by the end of the year because you're asking them to do so much more relative to the situation because of the style you want to play. Styles make fights, and right now Doug Peterson taking a you know a notch out of that Andy Reid coaching tree book and really finding ways to get creative with spread looks that Carson Wentz is comfortable with coming out of that North Dakota offense in year two where he seems to have elevated himself to that next step we always talk yeah. about. It's fun watching the NFL with the Eagles rising up and the Rams and uh, some of these other teams. It's, it's been fun to watch so far. Absolutely, and it, it's only going to get better. I mean, you've got Carson Wentz and Dak Prescott that look like they could be two of the best young quarterbacks in the future in a division like the NFC East that we sort of prize as one of the best in football in Los Angeles, we made fun of the teams that were moving out there and, and you know, Jared Goff looking like his, uh, where he was wearing his older brother's shoulder pads, but that guy's taking a step up. We're getting really viable West coast football out of them in a division that we just chalked to the Seahawks a long time ago. So there, there's spots where it's coming up. That was why the Deshaun Watson injury was so devastating, but there's guys there that we can start to hang our hat on. Yeah. Mike Gola jr. Find him on ESPN radio and right here on 15 hard ESPN. Uh, before the Mike and Mike show, or soon to be the uh, the Wingo, the Golick and Wingo show, which you're going to be a part of. We can talk more about that in a couple weeks, but we'll catch up next week, man. See you, Golick. Sounds good, guys. Take care. All right. Good stuff. Always fun catching up. Uh, Dave's got some questions for us when we come back. Yeah, I do. What kind of questions? Really good ones. Run-on questions, or are they going to be like to-the-point questions? I'm going to keep them to 140 characters or less, just for Judd's sake. God oh. bless you. <laughs> Mackie and Judd. Back then, especially in the early 80s, it was a new thing to be telling how much money you had. You would brag about how many women you had. I mean, you were really groundbreaking doing that, right? Where did that come from? The night before. <laughs> if I said it on TV, 
I did it. I lived my gimmick. Mackie and Judd now continue. I think all the pieces are there. On 1500 ESPN. Now on Mackie and John. Do you believe in past lives? Did we ever really land on the moon? Questions. What are the six degrees that separate you and Kevin Bacon? Of significant importance. We're just t- talking off the air about this Otani. How do you pronounce his first name? This Japanese phenom. Yeah, I'm uh, not, I'd butcher it. Otani. Uh, Shohio, or Shohai or Shohio Otani, who's... Uh-huh the best pitcher and maybe hitter in Japan and the twins are one of three teams that can spend the most money on the, the posting fee. They have the third most. Yes. Yeah. That they can offer. So we'll get into that on tomorrow's show because Buster only has an interesting report. We'll do a lot more hot stove stuff maybe on tomorrow's show, but Dave has uh, some questions for us. Here. You guys can think about that. I am still giddy over the fact that Aaron Rodgers is almost, it's almost certain he's coming to the Vikings. Next are you year. at 98% right now? First of all, is it considered tampering if on December 23rd when the Vikings visit Lambeau, Aaron Rodgers shows up to the locker room, whether he's playing or not, and he sees a nice little wrapped you know, Christmas gift on his stool with a little sticky tag to Aaron from oh. Zim? He tears that thing open like it's Christmas morning to find a purple number 12. Oh, is that tampering? Not just from Zim, from Ziggy, too. Oh, no. sure. If the, listen, Ziggy, Mark, Rick, all of them. In 2008, the Vikings were cleared of tampering with Brett. If they got cleared of that, then they can do anything they want now. See, now, here's the thing. There's I, no tampering. I, I'm a little confused by this because there's uh, on this website with all the contracts, it says there's an out after 2017 but he's still under contract through 2019 and the but like the guaranteed money is no longer it's like the guaranteed money goes year to year then so i don't know if he gets a full say in opting uh, out or if it's just a full team out i don't care but hey he's he can force it he can force it he can force it all right honest <laughs> question though paint me a picture the future of aaron rodgers and the green bay packers starting in 2018 well if they're together if they're together, maybe they're not. I don't know. There's a chance if the Packers have control of the next two years, if they can say, if we want you, I know there's no guaranteed money left, but we're going to exercise the next two years. He could say, uh uh-uh, uh, I ain't showing up. Trade me. And now the haul you'd have to demand for an in his prime 34 year old Aaron Rodgers, even like there's probably four more years left at least of top, top play. You would have to give up at least a couple first round picks to get Aaron Rodgers. Oh, yeah. And some team absolutely would. And if I were the Vikings with this defense right now and this coach, I would do it. A hundred percent I would do it. Don't need first round picks. Prove that this year. That's yeah, fourteenth overall pick. Who needs them? Well they mm-hmm. traded uh you know, they traded Jared Philly. they landed yeah. Jared Allen for a first round pick and a, right. and a couple of thirds or Overrated. something. Overrated. So uh, the the picture, unfortunately for Aaron, if he stays in Green Bay, it would be a very similar picture to the one that's been painted the last few years where he drags them around for like 10 wins. They roll off like five in a row at one point, but the defense isn't good enough. The coaching and the organization aren't good enough. They aren't aggressive enough in free agency and they get beat by like the Rams or the Vikings or somebody else in the playoffs. That's if he wants to keep doing that, by all means. Oh, oh, the picture I'm going to paint you is a picture that has a new coach roaming the sidelines on the home side of the field at Lambeau Field. Go, Pat, go. Is it Steve? <sighs> Hold on, I'm not seeing it clearly yet. I'm not seeing it clearly. No? Oh my God. It's Pat Shermer. 
Pat Shermer is the new Packers coach. <gasps> because Aaron's going to go in to uh, Mark Murphy and Ted, and he's going to say, Ted, I think you should be fired, but I'm going to spare you. I'm going to spare you, but the coaching staff is gone. Aaron will become the first quarterback to also carry the title of offensive coordinator next year, and Pat Shermer will be his head coach. Because that Pat would be Shermer a pretty interesting fit. Hot commodity. The hot commodity runs the West Coast offense, which Aaron is very familiar with. It's a perfect fit. Pat Shermer will go from the Vikings to the Packers. The only problem is, are the Packers willing to wait until like mid-February to hire their new head coach? Because he's going to be super tied up until well, then. Well, you know, he's got the parade on the 6th, right? The parade, the parade's going down 90, well, it starts downtown Minneapolis, goes down 94 to St. Paul and back on the 6th. So he's tied, so Shermer's tied up all day on that day, but on the 7th, he can be named coach. <laughs> Rick will just be going down 94 on top of the car, laughing like that too. Just laughing at us pouring all. Pouring Dom Perignon all over his... <laughs> His uh, open chested four buttons <laughs> undone. Even, okay, you've gone too far. I saw a guy. T- I saw uncomfortable. I saw a bartender at dinner uh, in in Wisconsin in the Milwaukee area. That's right. I uh, I went to Milwaukee. We yeah, because you about don't want to go to St. Paul. Guy had like had like five buttons undone behind the bar, just slinging drinks all the way down just above his belly button. It's like, did you like? Did this happen on accident or is this is this like a style if, thing? If is the he- Vikings win the Super Bowl and they go and the parade goes from. Minneapolis to St. Paul like the Twins did in 87. Where will you stop? Like, you'll go, like, you'll watch the first part of it. Like, will you stop on the border? Will you stop just outside of downtown St. Paul and turn around? I'll stop at Dumb Brothers on the border, yes. I'll watch the rest on TV. You go to Milwaukee. Milwaukee. (laughs) By slinging drinks, do you mean just pulling old Milwaukee after old Milwaukee out of the tap? Pretty much, yeah. I don't think we're doing high class cocktails. I have you know, when you order, it's funny when you order a white wine in Milwaukee, they actually just take a bottle of wine, pour out the wine, and then replace it with High Life. I think that just meant light beer. Yep. <laughs> All right, I'm going to give you uh, guys a theoretical thousand dollars for this next question, but it comes with a caveat: you must put that on the line. All right, you must put it on the line tonight. A bet to win to double up. Wolves or wild? Oh, I'm going. I'm going wild. I'm going wild. Maple Leafs sans Austin Matthews in tonight's game. Hmm. Going to miss a game for, for the first time in his career. Toronto got off to a really good start. Not playing well. Wild's not playing well, but Bruce is upset. Wolves and Golden State. I, it's gonna be fun to watch. I don't know if they're there yet, so I'm going wild. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna surprise you. I'm gonna go wild as well because I mean h- hockey is far more random in one game, and that like literally anyone can win the one game in the regular season. If the Warriors decide that they're gonna win the game tonight, they will win the game tonight. If the Warriors make up their mind, as good as the Wolves have been playing, if the Warriors make up their mind and say we choose to win and squash a Western Conference bug that might be there in the end flirting with one of the top seeds. Um, This is a pretty big game for the Warriors to just like, all right, we've already lost three. It's on ESPN. We got our star players playing. Yep. Let's, let's squash the bug here and, and make it happen. So, um, and if, and if the Warriors decide that they want to win and the Wolves beat them, that'll be fun the rest of the season, but I'm going to, I'm going to go wild. All right, so I found this a little bit ago because I was cruising around the big lead. It was much more pleasurable than listening to the two of you prattle on. 
Jimmy <laughs> Butler spending some time with ESPN's Sam Alipore in the great outdoors here of Minnesota, doing some outdoorsy things like canoeing, in which Jimmy Butler was wearing two life jackets, and I mean that completely seriously. He can't swim, so he wore two life jackets. <laughs> trying like to put up the a... first one gets <laughs> shredded or something. He did take a tumble into like ankle deep water too. It was very treacherous. <laughs> he, he screamed. Did he flop around like he was in the deep end and realize, <laughs> oh, I can just stand up? Uh, but they tried to put up a tent, and that didn't work so well. But then we got to the meat of the issue, talking hoops, and this is how it went for about a minute. This is your second co- go around with Coach Tibbs. What's what's different? What's different? Um, I think he's really he's really added the, the people aspect of it. Now he's coming in, he's laughing, he's joking around a little bit. He's asking, um, you know, hey, how's your wife? How are your kids? Like, that's a, that's a big part of this thing because you got to understand basketball is not the most important thing in my life. And I think that he's starting to realize that. Sounds like your relationship with Tibbs has really evolved. How was it in the early days? Be honest. Oh, I wouldn't lie to you. Couldn't stand him. <laughs> um, I never used the word hate, but he was right there. Like, if hate was here, oh, he was right there on my list because he never played me, and I wanted to play. And then finally my time presented itself, and uh, I got to play, and I started to get a little bit of, sub, Jimmy? I was like, oh, Tiz just spoke to me. Yeah, I'm, I'm moving up. <laughs> That's pretty funny. Here's the question. Seeing as how their relationship has moved from the early stages to what it clearly is now, him coming to Minnesota in the trade to play for his guy again, which relationship is healthier, Jimmy and Tibbs or you and your significant others? (laughs) Uh, Like right now or over the course of the relationship? Right now, yeah, from the course, from the beginning to where it's at now. I'll get out of the way here for Judd, who has Uh like three decades to, to talk about. I'm still in the like first five years honeymoon stage, uh, pre-marriage stage of a relationship. Long weekends in Milwaukee. Exactly. Yeah. Romantic walks no around uh, Lake Michigan. No Want to go to the brewery again? Exactly. Huh? Uh, you know, no sip and wine, games. date night. We had date night last night at Eli's in Northeast. It was That's very great. nice. That's yeah. awesome. So, uh, yeah, we haven't had the, and it certainly didn't start off with one of us hating each other, I don't think. I'd have to ask her about that. <laughs> Actually, it's possible. Was she listening to this show? Yeah, yeah it's, it's possible. Oh, it would have been Roycey and Mackie, in which case, yeah. <laughs> I would say the evolution of uh, Tibbs and Jimmy, very similar to Don and Judd. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Or you were Tibbs? Yeah. She hated your I bellowing? Mean, he's told to rotate. I'm told garbage or dishes. <laughs> So and I'm I'm good at listening. Nice you didn't give Don the uh, Tibbs voice. Garbage, dishes. garbage, garbage, garbage outside. Light switch, dog, light switch. Dog out, dog out. Let the dog out. Yeah, but I mean you know you know now. But here's the thing with Butler. Butler's not being super sincere there because Jimmy Butler and Tibbs are very similar. Like they both don't have families. He doesn't have kids or a wife. He is Jimmy Butler and Tibbs. The only the only thing that Jimmy Butler is saying that he didn't like about Tibbs is Tibbs wouldn't play him, which is sincere, and I get that, right? But like this whole thing about asking about about his life and stuff, Jimmy Butler doesn't give a damn. Jimmy Butler, what makes him so good is he cares about one thing. That's basketball. The day that we find out that he's got a serious girlfriend or gets married is the day I'm worried about Jimmy Butler. Well, Jimmy Butler, I think, I, I, I think, I and I love him. him. I love he him. said in that soundbite, basketball is not the most important thing in my life. He cares a lot about fashion and branding, and you know, social media. He cares a lot about 
the brand of Jimmy Butler. Sure. So, but I think I know, does he have a girlfriend? Do we know? I have Do we no, know that? I have no idea. But I think deep down, basketball is probably ninety percent of his life. I mean, he's which is great. It's fantastic. When Jimmy Butler starts to get distracted, if and when that that occurs, it's actually a bad thing. But yeah, I'd say that Don and I and Jimmy and Tibbs very similar. <laughs> TV, TV, Just stop! No, I get the TV. <laughs> Keep going. Come on. Take the cooler to the garage. Cooler to the garage. Uh, speaking of TVs, hey, it's Phil here for the TCL 4K Roku TV that's staring us in the face. We have a 55-inch TCL TV in the 1500 ESPN studio. So TCL has not necessarily been a longtime household name brand here in the United States, but it's America's fastest-growing TV brand and the third largest TV manufacturer and distributor in the world. Uh, it, TCL is blowing up largely because they're bringing all new entertainment system feels to your living room with the built-in Roku device where you get access not only to whatever you subscribe to, cable and satellite, but uh, also 4,000-plus streaming channels with the built-in Roku device, 450,000-plus TV show episodes, and movies. So we're talking about a lot of content, and we're talking about 4K picture quality, four times the resolution of your standard 1080p. So find out for yourself at TCLUSA.com or by stopping into any major local retailer and tell them Phil Mackey sent you. Mackey and Judd. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad. We do love our grumps. Mackey and Judd on 1500 ESPN. Hey, want to win a 55-inch TCL Roku TV? Join Mackey at the Corner Bar in Minneapolis this Saturday, 11 to 1, for the ultimate college football viewing party with Dos Equis. Come enjoy an ice-cold one. And register to win that new TV. Put game day over everything this college football season with Dos Equis, the official beer sponsor of the college football playoffs. More details at 1500ESPN.com. Rick doesn't love Richard Fleer. I don't know that he's ever taken the time to get to know him or to find out who in the world he is. He only knows who he is through the image and gimmick of Ric Flair. Because when everything's said and done, you know, the nature boy Ric Flair is, is just a myth. We always like it when, uh, when 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 people of note drop in and call in the show. So let's let's go. We have like five minutes left here, Judd. Mackie and Judd. And uh, longtime <laughs> AWA star. And he also played football for the U of M in the late 1960s. Greg Ganya, how are you? Good. Thanks for having me on, guys. I listened to you talking about the... Uh, 30-30 last night, and our old buddy Ric Flair. And what didn't you guys believe? I heard one of you say nobody could do what he did. Oh, the nobody drinking. Drink for, he did. Did he really drink that much a day? Uh, honest to God. It was the most – he was unbelievable. Uh, you know, my dad sent him – he would always send when he trained us. Uh, we'd go to different areas to kind of get our feet on the ground and, and, and learn the business. And Rick was sent to North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Um, some of us caught on quicker than others, and Rick caught on quick and uh, became a icon there. But uh, he, he, they wrestled there 360 days out of the year. Sometimes they wrestled twice on Saturday and Sunday. And he continually, when the match was over, he would start drinking, and he wouldn't stop until the party was over. Wow. And I was just with him in St. Louis uh, a couple months ago for one of the WWE pay-per-views. 
And I got to the hotel. He got there about 5 o'clock. We're at the Hyatt in St. Louis. And he pulls up to the bar at the uh, uh, steakhouse, and he says, come on. And he had three vodkas in front of him all night long, pouring them down. He almost died three months ago. That's incredible. Well, you know, he wrestled. I mean, as a world champion, he'd wrestle for the NWA an hour, you know, night after night after night. He was in phenomenal cardio uh, condition. Yeah. And he would sweat so hard and work out so hard. And he and he was the kind of guy, he, he didn't want to be alone. He had to have people around, you know. In the ring, he didn't want to be liked, but he wanted everybody really to like him. Mm-hmm. And um, he'd fall back on that. He'd come into the bar. I mean, there in St. Louis, he bought everybody at the bar drinks till close to 2 in the morning and bought everybody dinner. Wow. So, Greg, what did your dad see? Because I, I saw early in the, the show last night, there was the whole thing about how he had gone to your dad's camp and he was going to quit, and your dad went and tracked him down and actually oh, belted yeah. him. What did yeah. your What did your dad see in that young guy that, that led him to say, you're great at this? Well, here's what happened. The, the first day of the camp, we probably had 100 people there trying out. And after... Uh, I'd say 20 minutes, there's down to six of us. Ken Patera, the Iron Sheik. Now, Patera came out of the uh, Olympics as a, uh, you know, the first guy to press 500 pounds over his head. And Rick was always training with him. So Rick, uh, he got big. He was, uh, this is the only time I ever knew him taking drugs, but he was taking Dianabol, and he was up to 298 pounds. And I knew Rick from high school and then in college. And then it was Jim Brunzel who played football, semi-pro football, uh, Bob Bruggers came from the Miami Dolphins, and I came out of football, college football. So we all were, we thought in pretty good shape. Nothing like we'd had to do in that wrestling camp. And Rick had that charisma about him even then. And he was a good athlete, and he had always given up on things. You know, he was a non-predictor at the University of Minnesota, so he couldn't go to class. He got recruited by Michigan. He couldn't get in there, and a few other schools. And he always gave up on things when things didn't go his way. And the camp was too tough for him. He was going to quit. And uh, my dad came to the camp, and actually Ken Patera, Bob Ruggers, I lived right next door to him. And he said, where's Rick? And I said, well, I don't know. He didn't. He said he was He was quitting. And you let him quit? I said, well, what can I do, buddy? You want to quit? He's chewing me out. <laughs> Will you go? I said, I said, I don't know. He said, okay, you guys stay here and train with Billy Robinson, I'm going to go get Flair. And uh, Rick told us a story. He came and knocked on the door, and his wife, Leslie, answered the door, and he says, where's Rick? Well, he's taking a nap. (laughs) So Vern went in and grabbed him and got him outside. He said, get out here. He said, what's going on with you? He said, Vern, it's time to quit. He said, you're not going to quit, Rick. You have too much potential, and I'm not going to let you quit. No, I'm quitting. And then he open-handed him, knocked him right on his ass. That's awesome. Hey, Greg, we have like 30 seconds left. Can okay, we? Can sorry. we? Can I throw you on hold? And we can just. Can we? Would you want to come on our show tomorrow and tell more stories? Uh, yes, I think I can tomorrow. We'll re- tomorrow? We'll, we'll, Thursday. Yeah, yeah. We'll, we'd love to hear more about just you know the AWA and Ric Flair, and we'll we'll just reach out to you off the air, and maybe we can do this uh, okay. tomorrow or this week. Is that cool? Anytime. Yeah. All right. Thanks, awesome. Greg. That's uh, we'll throw Greg on hold. That's Greg Gagne, son of Vern Gagne, uh, AWA star. Rick Flair, thirty for thirty, was awesome last night. He was on it uh, for people who saw yep. it. So, all right, we're back tomorrow. Mackie and Judd. 
This holiday, whether you're making a Baker's Simple Truth Turkey for 40 or a Murray's Baked Brie for two, Baker's has fast, fresh delivery and free pickup so you can make holiday meals that bring you all together to create memories that last. Baker's, fresh for everyone. Free pickup on orders of $35 or more. Restrictions may apply. Get more ways to save at the buy five or more, save $1 each sale. Just buy five or more participating items and save a dollar each with card. Baker's, fresh for everyone.